0: Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Loida Velasquez and Loida has 80,000 plus on her YouTube channel. She was one of the first real estate agents ever to dominate on YouTube. She's a partner on Team BC, a SoCal agent. Loida, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Byron. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: Yeah, this is long overdue because I've been like watching you from afar and we've never been able to connect, but I'm I'm really pumped about talking to you because, uh, again, I think there's so much that agents can learn from what you've done. You put out a ton of free content and uh, I'm just really excited about this podcast. So why don't you just give us a little background on how you got into real estate, what led up to that, just so uh, everybody can get to know you a little better
1: yeah so I have been in real estate for the past six years. Prior to that, I worked in marketing and advertising for about eight years, and I absolutely loved what I did. I was doing a lot of traveling um I was representing high profile clients in the automotive entertainment movies film, like I was living the dream being in my twenties, but it got to the point that I was living out of a suitcase from hotel to hotel. And I remember specifically being in Chicago for the Chicago Auto Show. At that point, I was working with an automotive brand and it was negative 30 degrees and we were doing ride and drives outside. And I'm like, okay, this is not for me. I don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. And then that's kind of how my transition slowly started to happen where I got out of event marketing and being out in the field. Um, at that time, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to go back to school, I'll get my master's, because that's what you're supposed to do if you want to get a high level sure. job. So I went back to school, I got a, a cubicle office job, and I quickly realized that I hated that. I hated being constrained in a little box, working with people that all they did was like gossip or negative environments. And I'm like, this is not for me. I love being out in the field. So then that's kind of when I started to explore real estate. I knew that it wasn't going to be easy, that it wasn't glamorous. But at the same time, I saw it as an opportunity for me to, you know, if I put in the work, I would get the results that I wanted to get. And eventually it would lead me to have the type of life that I wanted to have for myself and my family. So it was at the, I think at the end of 2014 or 2015, that's when I transitioned into real estate. Um, when I transitioned, I knew that I wanted to go after listings and I knew that for sale by owners and expires were the low hanging fruit. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I work on my skills, my objection handlers to go after these type of leads. And then that's kind of how my, my, my transition into real estate started and what I started to go after when I did do that.
0: Well, you've been just watching from afar, you've been brilliant in your approach in building your real estate career, going after listings right out of the gates and getting listings and selling them and then doing a great job on social marketing the fact that you got this listing that nobody could sell and sold it when nobody else could sell it. The other day, I saw an ad pop up on my Instagram. It was from Ryan Serhan. And Ryan said, obviously number one broker in New York, and he just started the surhant, and he's got courses going on and everything. And I've got a lot of respect for Ryan, which I'm sure you do as well. Ryan said that cold calling is dead. Now I've seen you dominate the phones, have success on cold calling. It's something that we've taught every year in our new agent program on our team, you're teaching other agents on your team to do the same. So I'm going to ask you, is cold calling dead?
1: I know exactly that ad that you're talking about because I have seen it as well, and cold calling is not dead. Um, I'm still getting deals from cold calling to this day, whether it's for sale by owners or expires or just random phone numbers, people are still converting And if anything, the way that I see it is that if there's other agents that think cold calling is it and they're not doing it, more possibilities for me to convert these people that are so motivated and serious and need some type of real estate help.
0: What's your script? You said a random phone number. What's your script calling a random number?
1: Um, It would be like circle prospecting, whether it's just listed, just sold, just kind of giving a market update if they have any real estate need anything real estate related, like a plumber termite, whatever it is.
0: Just giving people the information of what's happening in the market. Hey, this is, we just sold this property in your neighborhood. Didn't know if you were aware of it. This is what happened. These yeah. are the details at the end of the day, when we're doing Instagram posts or you've got the huge following on YouTube, you're you're putting out video and content to make a connection, whether it's with an agent that you can bring on your team or you know, somebody that's going to buy or sell or invest in real estate in Southern California. And ultimately we're trying to get people on the phone anyways. What agents don't like about the phone is that you got to go through 20 to 50 to a hundred calls to get one that's interesting and taking that interest in taking that next step for an appointment. So it's a lot of work. It's one-on-one work, but at the end of the day, it's such bottom of the funnel work because you're getting somebody on the phone with you and having a conversation. We know conversations equal contracts in your circle prospect and what's working right now here in 22. Is it, is it more circle prospecting? There's probably less expireds I'm going to imagine in your market. Mm-hmm. So what's working the best on the phones for you and your team right now?
1: The circle prospecting and going after the absentee owners. Those are the two big mm-hmm. ones. Um, and also another big one is just our past clients and calling them and staying on top of everyone that we have helped in the past, or maybe we haven't even helped them, but they're in our database. So those are probably the the top ones that we're going after that are converting at the moment.
0: Your database, what are you guys using like for a database to keep everything organized?
1: We have KB core.
0: Okay. So, so you're using, that's the XP product, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you're using that. Now, if, what if there's not a note on this particular lead? Are you still calling them or, or do you guys keep really good notes? You know what, What's the management of each lead look like?
1: We try to keep good notes as much as we can. If we, for some reason, there's nothing to it, we'll still call them and we'll just kind of, if we know that we have spoken to them in the past, we'll say something along the lines of, hey, you know, we spoke a while back, really quick, just wanted to check back in." and then we'll just go into our spiel about the market or if they have any need or whatever it is that we're trying to um, have be our message at that moment.
0: What are you, what are you seeing right now in the Southern California market? It, obviously headlines say everybody's leaving. I talked to a bunch of agents in Southern California all the time that say that's not happening. There's a lot of demand, there's multiple offers. W- what are you seeing?
1: Yeah, and the market is still crazy out here. Um, anything under I want to say eight hundred thousand gets multiple offers, sells above asking price. In LA, you can't even find a home under four hundred thousand. So what we're seeing is the multiple offers. A lot of first time home buyers are getting discouraged because they're getting outbid. We are seeing a lot of conventionals, uh, cash offers, people uh, removing the appraisal contingencies, paying 20, 30, 40,000 more than the asking price. So it's still very competitive. Um, so on the other hand, what we do tell any buyers that we are working with is that we make them see what the current situation is and where they have to come in at if they're very serious about looking and trying to get into a home. And if they don't have enough money at that moment to be able to proceed or, or be competitive in this market, then at that point we advise them to do, you know what, just hold off for a little bit because right now you're just not gonna get anywhere. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna be submitting offers, you're gonna get rejected all the time. Then they start thinking that us as agents don't know what we're doing when in reality it's just them and their situation.
0: Your uh, business partner, Brian uh, Brian Casella, he's moved out of California and relocated in Florida. I've I've done the same. Our team is in Connecticut, but I relocated a couple of years to South Florida, other coast, um, across from Brian, over in Naples. How has that uh, impacted the team? And does he like? Does he come back to uh, California, where you, where you guys started this team? Yeah,
1: he still goes back to California. And I'm going to share something with you that I haven't shared it yet, but yes. I just looked up to, it when we to get South that. Florida too. So you did you're the first to know, yes, so yes. I'm in Florida All now. right. <laughs>
0: oh, you are joining the crew. Look at you now. Are you East Coast? Uh,
1: yeah. Well, I am in Miami also, so very close to you're Miami. Too. Yeah.
0: He's in. He's in Miami, right? Or or somewhere yeah, around Miami. So we're South
1: Florida. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a team out here in Florida, and we still have our California team. So. Right now, I'm still managing our team in L.A. He's the one handling all of our agents here, but we're still kind of going back and forth. But I'm permanently in Florida now.
0: Oh, my. So we're literally right now sitting here an hour and 15 minutes away. I'm in Naples. And we could have done this in person. If I would have known that you (laughs) also made the move, then uh, we'll have to arrange
1: that for later on.
0: We should. We should do one with the three. We'll get Brian involved and, and we'll sure. do another podcast when, when Bobby's down here next. Uh, I'd love to actually do that with you guys. I am really am inspired by what you have built, you and you and Brian. Uh, both of you guys really took YouTube before any agent was on it. And I think, I'm sure that's helped you grow your team. How, how are you guys growing the team now? And, and is YouTube or the content you're putting out the biggest factor in your growth?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, a lot of the agents that have joined our team have come from either watching us on YouTube or social media. So it makes it so much easier because at the end of the day, they know exactly how we work, what our expectations are, um, you know, how we train and how we learn. So if we bring them onto the team, they know exactly that they're probably going to have to do the, the same things that we did to get to where we're at. So it just makes things so much easier to grow the team that way. Um, TBC, we are nationwide, so now we have agents, uh, we're, I think in like 15 states at the moment. So we've grown that way. We've grown through EXP, which is a brokerage that we're a part of. So yeah, social media has definitely impacted that.
0: All right. So you're using that to your advantage to grow. You've relocated to Miami. What was the big factor in you leaving? Where'd you grow up?
1: Born and raised in Los Angeles.
0: Born and raised in Los Angeles. So you've been there your whole life. You picked up, you moved to Miami. It is the hot spot right now, Southern Florida. Why did you make that decision?
1: It got to a point being in California with everything going on, you know, the pandemic, the shutdowns that I have always loved South Florida. And I really saw that as being like, you know, now's the time to make the move taxes opportunities yeah. as growing the team i was like it makes more sense for me to be living out there than in california
0: <laughs> yeah i mean listen i i did it from and our our team in connecticut number one team in connecticut um did close to 200 million last year and over 500 sales and i made the same decision in, in 2020 to you know make my permanent residence in in south florida and naples and i go back and forth and you know, I'm working the business every single day, but you know, I think 2020 opened a lot of our eyes where it's like, okay, one, I can work the business in a different way and, and be, and we're still growing. We're growing every single week. It's not going to impact that. And I can also be in a place that uh, I think speaks more to my lifestyle and the way I want to live. And that, that was along the same lines I made the decision. So, did you buy or and the market's crazy? Did you buy? You're renting. What are you doing to start?
1: Yeah, I did buy out here. I found a place. Oh, awesome! Uh, didn't you. have to compete. Luckily, I lucked out. It wasn't even on the market. I found it, and then we put a deal together and opened for the same day. So I, I was blessed that way.
0: <laughs> so you're and you're down. You're down here, but you're managing the agents in LA. How, how has that been a challenge for you managing out of market?
1: Well, before I left, um, pretty much I sat down with everyone and kind of told them how things were going to be moving forward. Um, but in a way, I don't feel like things have changed a lot. I do a lot of hands-on training, whether it's on Zoom or now phone calls, making sure that everyone is still doing their uh, their calls or prospecting and lead generation. If they are doing any deals or in, in any transactions. They know that they could just call me or text me. I'll help them negotiate. So they even though I'm like across the country, they they don't feel like, oh, you know, Lloyd and Brian are gone. Like what are we gonna do now?
0: Did you keep did you keep a place in California?
1: No. Just my so, license, oh, my sweet. real estate license. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course your license, yeah. No, I kept my place <laughs> yeah. in Connecticut. So I I do the like the whole <laughs> Back and forth thing a little bit, but I'm over six months here. If, if uh, the IRS okay. is listening, and I and I can <laughs> I can back that up. So what you're you're uh, you're teaching your agents how you built your business, which is the calls and the prospecting. I mean, you you've even done door knocking and everything, which I think that was another thing Ryan said was dead. What like what's the thing that you have them focus on first? Is it just making the calls?
1: I kind of leave it up to them because some okay. of them don't have the budget, especially if they're newer. They don't have the budget to go get a system or get phone numbers or things like that. So I say, you you know what? You don't have any excuses. If you can't pay for a service, go out and hit the doors because there's someone that's going to need your help. And with our team right now, door knocking is something that we tell them that they have to do at least once or twice a week. And we're seeing agents in our team getting listings. In fact, wow. one of them on Friday, on Friday he went out door knocking on the 111th door. He set a listing appointment for the next day. And the next day he got a listing 6% full commission. And then that was that. So there's still people that are willing to do business. If you door knock them, it's just a matter of whether you actually want to go out and do it. And knowing that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say no but all you need is that one person that says you know what i was just talking to my husband about wanting to sell a place you came from you were god set thank god that you're here come on in and see the house
0: yeah i mean that that is exactly how it happens and so refreshing to hear you say that door knocking meeting people meeting new interesting people calling on people and having a conversation works just as well as building a brand online and you've done them both. So there's more credibility when you've actually done both and you say, no, both are working, my YouTube's working for me, as well as my calls, as well as you're you know, investing in the agents and training them. I'm, I'm certain that you're, you guys are bringing on a lot of new agents, right?
1: Yeah, just naturally so what- from the content that we put out, it attracts a lot of newer agents.
0: So a newer agent who maybe doesn't have the eight years of experience like you did in sales and marketing, you know, when they start to negotiate, what is the negotiation skill that every new agent has to learn first?
1: That's a tough one. Cause I feel that there's a combination of a lot of different things. Yeah. Give me um, your, your there, top three
0: or your combo. Yeah.
1: If there's one thing for sure that I that I recommend anyone that's trying to negotiate do is let's say you're representing a buyer or a seller and there's an issue going on, come, if you're going to present that issue already come with a solution because buyers and sellers, your client, they hate to hear bad news. But if you bring the bad news and hit them with a, Hey, you know what? This happened, it's going to fall through, but I already called the next offer in line and they're ready to open escrow. Now it's kind of a, a less, um, uh, Harsh thing that they have to get through. So that would be one thing. Uh, Communication. Communication is key with the other agents, with all the different vendors, because if someone doesn't know what's going on, everything falls apart. Or if someone doesn't communicate, um, whether it's a lender, sometimes things are not going through the best way possible for a buyer. And if the lender doesn't communicate it on time and you wait until the end, now it's kind of like a fire that you have to put out. Everyone's upset. And then The way that I've seen it is that no matter what you do, you're always the one that gets blamed for it. Or everyone is always just mad at you when there's other pieces involved. Um, Those would be my top two. Communication and always just think ahead. What are the possible solutions for any problems that might come up? And and one more thing, know that things will work out. Because sometimes we feel like, you know what, it's the end of the world. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? I was banking on this commission. Now this is going to fall through. Just know that things are gonna work out the way that they're supposed to. And, and yeah, that's what I have to say, because I've seen it yeah. happen many times for me.
0: If a deal's <laughs> gonna fall apart, you know, that it's gonna fall apart. There's, there's you know, if, if two parties wanna do a deal, we're gonna get through some of these hurdles. It might be painful, you might have to do some extra work as an agent, but if there's two parties that wanna transact, we're gonna help them get to that, mm-hmm end goal of transacting. But if there's one party who's just, you know, set on getting out of the deal, there's not a lot you can do to stop that from happening. Yeah.
1: And I think it's also really important for agents to work together as a team to make these deals happen instead of getting attitudes and becoming all emotionally involved when at the end of the day, it's like, dude, we both want to get paid. Let's see how we can make this happen. Talk to your client. Let's work together and figure this
0: out. Working, you work with a lot of investors too, right? Yeah. What are your investors in SoCal doing? Uh, are they selling and getting out? Are they buying up more properties? What are you just seeing from your clients, your investor clients? And then on the, on the other side, now that we know you're, you've relocated to Miami, How are you, what's the learning curve been for you to be able to add value to investors there being it's a new market for you?
1: So in SoCal, especially in LA County, there's still a lot of rent control and the tenant eviction moratoriums are still in place, I think. Well, pretty much everywhere. So a lot of investors are holding off on purchasing property specifically in LA because what we're seeing is that the property values, let's say it's four units or five units market value would be maybe 1.5 but the tenants are still paying five or six hundred dollars a month that sometimes the owners of these properties they want to sell but nobody wants to purchase it because they don't want to pay that 1.5 they don't want to take on the tenants the tenants haven't been paying because of the pandemic so we're seeing a lot of um investors start looking outside of the la area Um, At the end of the day, it comes down to the numbers for them still. I sold last year a fourplex, and this was in the city of Long Beach. Um, And the investor, he was just more interested in putting his money into real estate. Um, Luckily for those units, one of them was delivered vacant. All of the tenants were paying, and this particular property was not in a rent control area. So he was able to see the long-term advantage of purchasing something like this and then raising the rents. But in LA specifically, it's, it's a little harder, um, but there's a lot of investors that are doing 1031. What we are seeing is a lot of them wanna take their money to another state because it can go a much longer way. So now being out here in Florida, um, a way that I can bring value to them is just you know presenting them different options for if they wanna invest out here versus California or maybe some other state.
0: If I'm buying in a rent controlled area in California, as an investor, say I'm buying that one point five million dollar property that you talked about, and rents are at seven hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which is you know insane for a one point five million dollar purchase price. insane, not in a good way. you know, can yeah. I get that tenant out of there and and jack the rent up immediately as a new buyer? or tell me how that works. How do I get in a rent control area? How do I get my rents up to market value if they're not there?
1: So if the tenants have been paying on time, if there's no reason for you to actually kick them out and evict them, um, you really can't get them out. You would probably have to do cash for keys. But then the reality is that many of these tenants, they're not going to want to take ten dollars or $20,000 of your money because then if they go and try to find another place to rent, rent for what they're paying $700 for is more like $2,500. So they would much rather stay there. And at that point, you can evict them because they have been paying and they haven't vandalized the property or anything like that so it gets very very tricky
0: so basically they're like a fixture you're not getting rid of them
1: yeah exactly yeah wow you have to find like a loophole or you have to see if they're just like leaving trash outside or something to use against them to start that eviction process otherwise you got to get them it.
0: on the on the trash
1: <laughs> yeah
0: now that's in, that's in LA we're talking, right? Not every part of California, yes. to be clear.
1: Correct. No, that's just LA, the city of LA.
0: Yeah. If you're in, uh, I don't know, wherever, single family homes, you, you can put the rent at whatever you want?
1: Yes. So when a tenant leaves, then at that point, you can establish a new rent.
0: Okay, great. That's good, because I, I... I didn't understand that. I think a lot of people probably don't understand. They read headlines about the rent control in California. And so no tenant, you put the rent wherever you want. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly.
0: Because you have done so well on social, especially YouTube. And there's a lot of agents here in 22 that are trying to finally figure out how to either get their game up on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube specifically producing video, what would be your number one tip for an real estate agent trying to build their brand there?
1: I would say just pick up the camera. You're going to mess up. You're going to stumble. Um, I feel that a lot of agents kind of focus more on the lighting or the camera or what am I going to say or it has to be perfect instead of just actually start doing it. Um, if you go back to my YouTube channel, the very first videos that I did, I would talk really fast. I would run out of breath. I was always really serious. And people would notice that. I would get comments where people would say, oh, Loida, you're talking too fast. And I remember it used to get to me because I'm like, I'm here trying to provide value, but someone's catching on to something that I know is a flaw in my me creating videos, but that didn't stop me. So it's just more of uh, Picking up the camera and posting it out there. Um, and then you're going to get better as you continue doing it.
0: I mean, you've grown quickly, though, or you know, you've grown yeah. quite a bit on YouTube. So, I mean, the thumbnails, the title, that had to have something to do with it. Did you get any training, or were you just going on Google, seeing what's working for other people? How'd you, you know, figure out all the different elements of, of YouTube?
1: I pretty much have done everything on my own from the editing to the thumbnails. Um, I got a lot of the ideas for creating the videos based on the feedback and the comments that I was getting in the comments section. And then also, I would just start doing videos on anything that I was going through at that time, whether it was a transaction or any tips that I learned. Because I remember being a brand new agent and the reason that I started my YouTube channel was because I was new and I wanted to go on YouTube to see what it was like to be a real estate agent more specifically a woman, a younger woman in real estate. And I wasn't really finding anything. I was finding a lot of older men. I was finding Mike Mm. Ferry and Mike Ferry is great. I I still watch his videos, but I'm like, where are the women at? I mean, there was really no (laughs) women on YouTube. So then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put out these videos. If it helps at least one person, great. Um, I never created videos of, or started a YouTube channel with the intention of, you know, I'm going to become a YouTuber or I want 100,000 subscribers. For me, it was just more like I want to help other agents be better in this business because there's a lot of crappy agents. And if we end up doing a deal together, at least you know how it is that I work and what you expect, what I can expect from you. So it just makes our life so much easier. And I think me being genuine in the type of content that I was putting out. And people implementing it and seeing that, you know, it's not BS information, like I'm actually getting a lead or being able to convert someone. That's what naturally allowed me to get my videos shared and people continuing to come back and subscribing. I made sure to make it a goal to post at least one video a week. So the first two years I just filmed on my iPhone six, I would go outside when the sun was out to make sure that I had good lighting. And then I would sit in a chair and I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about today? And whatever came to my mind, that's what I would make the video on. And then in terms of like editing and thumbnails, um, I have a Mac. So iMovie was the editing software that I use. Not a lot of stuff, but it was enough for me. I had never edited videos in the past, but I've, I've always been like a nerd and I love to learn anything that's techie or things like that. So I learned how to do that. Uh, my thumbnails I did on Canva, and then that's just kind of how it went for for the first couple of years.
0: You, you mentioned that you know you were like, "Hey, where's the women at on this thing?" Right? Like you're seeing all these men uh, talking about real estate. Do you feel a certain sense of responsibility to continue to produce content and continue to be a leader in that space to inspire other women?
1: Definitely um i feel that there's a lot of women and just in general a lot of women are almost they have a lack of confidence because in this industry you know if we're going on a listing appointment or even on the phone you'll get hit with objections that if you're not ready like you're going to be like you know what this is not for me sales is very like hardcore in general real estate it's a very emotionally driven type of industry emotional roller coaster like you have to have thick skin so I think by me putting out my experience, how I have grown and the success that I have had can show other women that, you know what, go back to my very first personal by owner call and see how bad I was and look at my most recent one and you can be that person too. So because of that, I always tell myself, you know, I want to continue putting out content and empower not just women, but all men, women and agents in general
0: not every agent can like train themselves or have that innate ability to keep picking themselves up off the mat, which from afar, I've seen you do time and time again. I mean, just being willing to put out content on YouTube of you getting rejected is incredible and it's helped a whole bunch of agents. Have you always been that way where you're just like, I don't care what happens to me i'm coming back for more or did you have to like you know get some you know read a lot of books or work on personal development to get to that level because it's very inspiring to see somebody not only do it but be willing to document it and share it with other people that are struggling
1: when i did it especially like for for example my first for sale by owner call which is literally the one that's on youtube it has like over a hundred thousand views That day, I was calling for sale by owners, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to record this because I want to look back on it too to see how bad I was and what I need to improve (laughs) on. And then I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to put it on YouTube. I need to post something. I told myself I was going to do something once a week, and I put it out there with the intention that, you know what, it's gotten to the point that now it's about showing others that you're not the only one that's making these cold calls and you're not the only one that sucks and doesn't know their scripts you can see me too. And I'm putting myself out there. And I still get a lot of criticism and, and people leaving negative comments and be like, wow, you're you're so horrible. Like You should get out of this, out of this business. But that didn't let me, that didn't stop me from continuing. And that's just kind of how I was. Uh, growing up, I was an introvert. I was very like to myself. I would hate public speaking. I remember in class, if the teacher said, you know, I need a volunteer or who can answer me this question, I was the type of student that would always look down to make sure that I was not doing any eye contact with the teacher just to not get picked on. So (laughs) me doing YouTube videos now, it's like a completely different person, but it's almost like I wanted to show others that, you know, if you feel that you're shy or an introvert, it doesn't mean that it should stop you from succeeding and being great at sales and having this confidence to be able to convert and be able to dominate in this industry, no matter who it is that you're talking to, whether it's a 20 year old or a hundred year old, whether it's a mobile home that you're selling or a multimillion dollar property, the confidence that, that I now have is like, just bring it on. You have objections? Okay, cool, I'm gonna handle them. Because I have spent so many hours getting rejected on the phone and getting the door slammed in my face that now like if you if you cuss me out it's like okay whatever next
0: (laughs) i love it i love 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 how you go about this business it is i mean it's super inspiring and uh just the fact that you're willing to be a leader in this industry and help other people makes it that much more special so I really appreciate you coming on sharing that. So many people need to hear that. Especially I hope I hope you listen to the end of this podcast because so many people needed to hear those last couple tips that you shared. And uh I truly do believe you are a true leader in this industry. So keep doing what you're doing. We're gonna we're going to get together and do a podcast down here in South Florida, right? Yes. You already committed. Just, just get Brian to commit. We're gonna do a podcast. We'll, we'll do and, it. <laughs> uh, you guys can either co- you guys ever come to Naples? We'll do it in Naples, or we can go. We'll go over to Miami. Whatever you want to do. But really appreciate it. if you're not already following Loyda, make sure you're following on Instagram and on YouTube. Definitely. I mean, I still go back and look at some of your cold calling videos and share those with new agents. So really appreciate you.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Byron. I appreciate you sharing my videos and also that you enjoy them yourself as well.
0: All right. Loida Velasquez, folks, we'll see you guys on the next pod.